The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Did you know our government was dissolved by the Emergency Backing Act of March 9, 1933, as declared by President Roosevelt? The receivers of the United States bankruptcy were the international bankers via the United Nations, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund. All the other operations of death and destruction consider us the enemy, all of us. California is burning. Our water, our air, and our food are under attack. AI is progressing faster than you think. What is the end game? By the year 2030, there will be smart cities where everyone will be micromanaged in minute detail and run by artificial intelligence. For that, they need 5G and beyond. There are genocidal plans in progress, and you need to be aware of them. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fambergas. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And to share some of our research, tonight's special guest is someone I've tried to have on for many years. Her name is Deborah Tavares, a third-generation land developer of residential construction. Deborah has been self-employed in a family-operated business for over 30 years. It was during this process that the restrictions of property rights became evident under the creeping constraints of the United Nations Agenda 21 through land use limitations, restrictions, regulations, fees, and increased liability exposures. Her websites are stopthecrime.net and primarywater.org. Deborah Tavares joins us directly from Northern California. Hello, Deborah, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Well, Mel, thank you so much for having me on your program. Uh, certainly, I am uh, in Northern California. We have been hit with uh, weather weapons on many varieties, many fronts, as many um, of us listening have. That is the new protocol. Uh, we're being hit with weather weapons, and I repeatedly tell people over and over again to find out what kind of weather weapons system you're going to be confronted with. You can read in their documents for your area what you will be hit with. And so what do I mean? You need to type in the name of your city, as I would, for example, type in um, Santa Rosa, California, resilient plans, climate action plans, and then I would be able to pull up those plans. For those of you that do not have a computer, simply go down to your planning department in your city and ask for the climate action plan and the resilient plan. Why am I suggesting you do that? Because you're going to learn the kinds of weather systems that you're going to be hit with and what you need to do to prepare to survive. Certainly here in Northern California, when we were hit with fires, we were unprepared for the amount of devastation and disaster that ensued. So an example of what you will read in your plans uh, are as follows. This is just a plan I think I pulled up out of Pennsylvania. Um, and I'm just reading some of the um, climate change health effects they're saying that will be a cause of all of us not reducing our CO2 emissions, our greenhouse gas emissions. Of course, we know that is all 
um, disinformation, scientific fraud. Nonetheless, uh, what we know is that we are being attacked by weather weapons. Regardless of the basis of the fundamental scientific fraud of needing to reduce our CO2 emissions and greenhouse gas, we are being assaulted. So in this plan, it says that the climate change effects will be increase in extreme heat events, increase in air pollution, floods, droughts, wildfires, storms, changes in weather patterns, higher food prices and food scarcity, sea level rise, storm surge, longer red tides, toxic algae blooms in the ocean, and more. The examples of the risks based on these assaults, they say in this plan, heat-related illnesses and death, worsening of chronic health conditions, increased respiratory illnesses, and many seasonal allergies, injury, death, respiratory illnesses, waterborne illnesses, foodborne illnesses, displacement. I'm going to stop for a moment and talk about displacement because that is what is going to be one of the two causes of the planned mass genocide in the United States. And on the Deagle.com Intel site, uh, it talks about um, the uh, maps. It shows maps of various um, locations throughout the world and the planned percentages of genocide to be attained by the year 2025. In the United States, they plan to kill off 83% of the population. And I say that the two methods in that plan that reveal themselves are, of course, many, as we all know, but the two that they underscore will be the result of displacement of people not being able to psychologically adjust to the forced relocation as they're hit off of their lands from mudslides, rainstorms, hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, winds, uh, reduction of water, whatever they come out at us to remove us off our lands, they're saying will be so psychologically disruptive we won't be able to make the transition out of where we have been as they dismantle our communities, our families, and create individual isolation. But they also say the other cause of death will be suicide. And certainly we've just heard here in California that our suicide rate has gone up dramatically. Uh, we also know that... Um, we're being assaulted on many, many fronts, and we're going to have to connect and uh, stay uh, together through what we all face. We're all facing this, and we have to wake up. We have to wake up quickly. Uh, as a result, too, of what they're saying in this climate action plan that I was just reading to you, they say there will be higher food prices and food scarcity, increased hunger, and decreased nutri nutrition. We see that all over the world, though. Floods, droughts, and the wildfires and storms and changes in the weather pattern, they tell us in this plan, will result in injury and death, and again, as I had said, respiratory, waterborne illnesses, foodborne illnesses, displacement, stress-related disorders. Okay, that goes into the Deagle.com. Psychologically, inability to, um, to adjust, mental health impacts, increasing shift, in infectious diseases. 
And they also, again, talk about um, wastewater system impacts. And um, they really emphasize mental health impacts. And they talk also about poisoning of contaminated uh, shellfish. So I'm just going to jump around, Mel, as things pop to me, because um, recently we toured a wastewater treatment plant. Now, let's be clear. Waste is uh, human feces. It's uh, poop. Uh, Let's call it what it is. It's human waste. It's highly poisoned, and it's part of an extended pharmaceutical assault on all of us because the SSRIs that are uh, excreted by so many sick, sick people that are taking so many drugs and are slowly dying a slow death by pharmaceuticals and literally being poisoned um, to extinction, their waste is ending up in the mun- in the municipal drinking water. What about and birth control pills, Deborah, and uh, chemotherapy medication? Absolutely. Everything. Everything you can imagine that people are ingesting. We're talking household cleaners. We're talking um, chlorine. We're talking about poisons, poisons on every level, uh, throwing out um, uh, pet poisons that we use on our pets, uh, discarding all the poisons, again, all of the Roundup that is flowing from the contaminated fertilizers that is going into our groundwater supply. We're eating all these poisons. We're excreting these poisons. They cannot move, remove all these poisons, and these wastewater treatment plants are horrific. We're going to have on StopTheCrime.net a tour that my husband and I did of a wastewater treatment plant. It is about an hour and 20 minutes in length, but I would highly recommend when we get that posted that you take a look at it. should be up on our YouTube channel on StopTheCrime.net soon. Um, it is really uh, horrific to watch this tour and to see and hear what is happening as we interview water experts at this wastewater treatment plant who do not know anything about primary water. So I want to lead with the assault on water because um, we're we're certainly um, aware that our health departments are going to descend on ranches and rural properties as water is being eliminated from um, accessibility. So what do we, what documents tell us about this? Well, the EPA documents, for one, uh, tell us that they, along with the health departments, will deem properties that can no longer access water as being unhealthy. So they will remove you and relocate you to an area where you can get potable water. So how would you end up on a piece of land that wouldn't uh, have water? Well, let's talk about that. They've got a groundwater allotment scheme in play now. Uh, this is rolling through California. It's rolling through your, your city, your town, where you are. Don't look at California as the laboratory or pilot program for all of these diabolical assaults. These assaults are happening everywhere, everywhere. I won't exclude anything, everywhere. Just different different uh, assaults, different times, looking like different um, uh, types of policies, but it's a global policy. So um, 
with the water assault in this new groundwater allotment scheme. They're literally uh, convincing people that water is a finite resource and that we are running out. The best news you're going to have me tell you about today, which I hope you will share far and wide, will be some water YouTubes that we have up on StopTheCrime.net, where I'm interviewing Paul Power, who's a Hungarian water wizard. I have a number of YouTubes up. One is called Primary Water Explained. Please share that far and wide. Please go to our website, primarywater.org. Print off the half-page flyers, distribute them far and wide. Watch the YouTubes and understand water is a renewable. It's new water created down below the mantle by hydrogen and oxygen uh, merging, becomes vapor. You cannot contain water. It must go somewhere. And it does. It comes up from the mantle of the earth in the fractures and fissures and emerges to the surface if not tapped into and drilled into. And you'll see that in hot and cold springs and in geysers that spray up out of the ground in oases and deserts. I like to think about the beautiful cascading waterfalls at the top of the organic, uh, the, um, the mountains in Hawaii, uh, and just watch those waterfalls continuously cascade into the beautiful pools below that are tourist destinations. Um, certainly, we know that Momar Haddafi uh, deployed this amazing labyrinth of plumbing under the desert sands when uh, they brought primary water to many of the Libyan people, which the United States and NATO blew up. Yeah. We blew up the eighth wonder of the world. You can look that up. But you'll also find all this information on primarywater.org. Uh, understand the vicious hiding of reality. Vicious. Millions and millions of people are dying because of lack of access to pure, clean drinking water. This is intentional. It's all part of the kill. Uh, I want to also, Mel, direct people to the U.S. Department of Interior, a document that I'm looking at right now. And I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs in this so that everyone can get an idea of the level of governmental agency assistance to the, to the murdering of the global population, not only here in the United States, but everywhere else as well. And I do say murder. In the U.S. Department of Interior, uh, this is a document for immediate release from the office of the Secretary, May the 2nd of 2003. And it's entitled, Water 2025, Preventing Crises and Conflict in the West. Now they're talking about the Western United States, although they do show uh, maps, global maps of, of uh, where there will be fights to retain their water supply. But let's talk about that. In this document, they tell us this. Chronic water supply problems in the, in the West are one of the greatest challenges facing the nation in coming decades. They say that Secretary Norton said today in announcing her proposal to help communities predicted to experience conflicts, conflicts over water during the next 25 years, even in the absence of drought. 
I hope you're listening carefully to that. Conflicts over water, even in the absence of a drought. We're going to go into that, but they go on to say the proposal, Water 2025, calls for concentrating existing federal financial and technical resources in key western watersheds and in critical research and development, such as water conservation and desalinization. Now, I'm going to stop right there and say, I have a YouTube up, Water Wars, Stealing Water for Profit and Power. That was a couple of years ago. But uh, I link it completely together with documents. You will understand the the players involved in the takedown within our country. And it's every single department and every single agency, and we'll get into that more in a minute. But I want to underscore the crisis um, of water and that uh, I want to encourage everybody that is listening, if you have the ability to drill, have a well driller drill you uh, uh, a borehole to access primary water. You can watch on YouTube the drilling occurring on the primarywaterinstitute.org website. You can watch how that's done. Sadly, like like medical doctors, well drillers are unaware, by and large, of primary water. I would say 99.9%. So they're not drilling for primary water. They're just drilling a borehole. Usually they're um, gravel packing it and... um, and then they're clogging up the ability for the water that would otherwise seep through the fissures. And there's an entirely advanced way in which to develop the wells after they're dug. And most drillers are unaware of that as well. Um, and we talk about that in one of our recent water YouTubes on StopTheCrime.net. But they talk about crisis management is not an effective solution for addressing long-term water supply problems. And they note specifically in certain areas in Oregon and in California and and also urban residents, and they even include Native Americans, that have been affected by water shortages and how vividly that has demonstrated the consequences of failing uh, strategies to address the problem for the finite water supply. That is in the U.S. Department of Interior's document finite water supply. So they're basing everything on uh, the idea that we're running out of water, and of course, we are not. I want to draw your attention to the map in this um, document. It is diabolical. The map shows uh, the United States. So can people access the- I mean to interrupt you. Can people access that map so they can listen while they, well, they can view it while they listen to you? Well, they could, absolutely. They can. I have that map embedded in the last water YouTube that we've posted. So if they were to go to StopTheCrime.net, uh, click over on our YouTube video channel, and uh, look at some of the most recent postings on water, uh, we talk about this map, and we have this map embedded in the YouTube as a visual. But I'm going to describe okay. this map. And uh, everything that I am talking about, I'm trying desperately to get it d- illustrated in YouTube videos. But I can um, only work so hard. And for any of you that are listening that would like to help out um, using some of the documents, getting them out, we need your help. 
we need all hands on deck. People ask, well, how can I help? What would, what can I do? This seems hopeless. Well, uh, it is hopeless if, if you're not taking action. We all have to activate. We need to wake up as best we can, given the fact that, sadly, we've been chemically lobotomized by so many years of massive, massive fluoridation, chemtrailing, and toxins, even in our fabrics and in the dyes and the poisons, every level. But I want to get back to the map. Uh, the map uh, shows the Western United States that are at risk for water crises and conflicts, and it's color-coded. And uh, the areas in yellow are considered to be moderate conflict areas. The areas in orange are substantial conflict areas, of which I'm in. And uh, red is highly likely conflict areas. And those are in many areas in the United States. Um, Carson City, uh, Sacramento, uh, we're talking about um, parts of Texas. Um, Phoenix, Santa Fe, Denver. There are many, many areas on this map, highly likely. When I looked up what that meant, highly likely conflict, that meant using guns. That meant the SWAT team. uh, That's part of the Department of Interior coming in with guns. We also know that enforcement of water restrictions is going to be many. Uh, We know that uh, local water agencies will be uh, in the enforcement of restriction of water usage, as well as uh, local police, as well as sheriffs in your area, and the military. This is what will be used to uh, make certain that we are not taking more than our fair share, keeping in mind all the while that water is renewable, and we have as much water as we need. I'm not suggesting that we should ever be wasteful, but there's a larger agenda. This is how we're going to be reconfigured in these cities, of which the majority of us, and uh, well, hopefully not the listeners that are listening, because many of us, if 83% is predicted kill rate, By 2025 in the United States, that means there's going to be a percentage of survivors. And I, I, I really firmly believe, and of course, Mel, I want, I want all of us to survive. We have to carry the truth forward as best we can to future generations. We have to take these documents forward and expose them and not let it just die in history. But on page 16 of this U.S. Department of Interior document, It is a global map of uh, where uh, they are projecting water stress. uh, So this is not inclusive to the United States. This is a global issue. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a worldwide. Everything that you're going to hear me talk about on this program today, while I may discuss specific uh, documents pertinent to a certain state, these are global agendas. And I found them across um, all cities, all countries, everywhere. And that starts with the, um, the uh, climate action plans. When I was looking at, um, for example, Greece, when Greece was on fire and, and people were literally having to evacuate, the, the roads were so clogged, they had to evacuate from their cars by jumping into the ocean. I was looking up uh, the uh, resilient plans in Greece 
what what we see again, as I said, once a, once an area is economically hit um, and by weather weapons, the impact economically, as we see here in Northern California, as a result of these monstrous fires, that they assure us are now our new weather norms. Uh, and we have to be ready to evacuate. Our our new term of evacuation is one, two, three, go. And they're telling us to have bug out um, locations and three sets of different bug out gear, so that we can leave immediately because fires will strike at will whenever. But we know that this is all being uh, created and being done deliberately. When in history, Deborah, when in history have we seen fires that all of a sudden ignite in this fast way? And by the way, you are probably aware that many of these fires, all of a sudden you see a property that completely, it's in ashes, but around it, all the trees are still standing. What is causing these fires? Well, as as discussed on a variety of YouTubes, uh, and certainly what we have seen here and the documents that we've seen, uh, for those that are listening, we disclosed some documents back, um, gosh, late 2014, 2015. Ultimately, it became a YouTube back then called Plan to Burn Up Northern California. So I'd recommend everybody please go and look at that those YouTubes, Plan to Burn Up Northern California. Mel, we found a document uh, between the Pacific Gas and Electric and the California Public Utility Commission stating that they were going to use weather weapons. And um, I have uh, those documents embedded in one of my recent YouTubes entitled uh, Weather and Water Weaponized. I would ask everybody to please take a look at that, Weather and Water Weaponized. We show the email exchange at the very end of that uh, interview, Mel, so people can see that for themselves. So we know we're being hit by a myriad of assaults, not only uh, likely by mind-controlled on-the-ground arsonists, uh, certainly uh, directly targeted by drones, directed energy weapons, which is weather weaponization, lasers. We know that the hits are many, uh, we now are, um, and we're noticing this uh, after the destruction, and I've seen this occurring across the country after flooding. It's the same deployment strategy. After we're hit with whatever weather uh, attack or assault uh, they decide to use that can be justified in that area, areas that are used to, t- to tornadoes, they, they uh, increase all of the weather effects. They exacerbate everything. We then see cameras being rolled out. They say for our safety. They're rolling cameras out here in Northern California. And one of the reasons, besides early warning for fires, they're saying it's to watch the water supply. So what we know is that there's going to be um, a tightening up on water access. That's why I said a bit ago that everybody needs to drill for primary water or to at least access it, help someone on some rural property get to primary water. Again, um, go to uh, primarywater.org. We link up to the Primary Water Institute that is a drilling team. They've drilled all over the world. They've drilled for the World Bank in Africa, accessed primary water. 
you need to understand how to access it. We need to to train our drillers while we still can uh, about primary water, educate them so that they understand how to drill, so that they also understand, as I mentioned, there is a developing of the well aspect that most drillers are unaware of to bring in a well to its full capacity. Um, and I won't go into all of that now, but I do want to go back to this Department of, of Interior document. And I want to talk about what I'm looking at um, on page 20. Again, it's a world map. It depicts in color coding. I'm going to read you what the color coding depicts. Little or no water scarcity. So areas they're claiming does not have scarce water resources. Uh, physical water scarcity. And then approaching physical water scarcity. And economic, economic water scarcity. And it's unbelievable to see the majority or a large portion of Africa, I would say about half of Africa is being shown as an economic water scarcity. So let's talk about what an economic water scarcity is. We know that in um, southern Africa, Cape Town, several months back, uh, they were talking about zero-day water. And you can type that in, zero-day water. You will see the villagers standing at spigots with their plastic jugs hoping to get a little bit of water. Well, they successfully alarmed uh, many of the villagers to the extent that they believed they were running out of water, and that forced an enormous migration. And that is what it's doing. Uh, when people don't know what is happening, they're being forced out of their towns and homes uh, under the illusion that they've run out of water. And they have, because they haven't accessed primary water. They're only allowing the visual depletion of the reservoirs or of um, aquifers, which is holding tanks for atmospheric water. We've only been taught about atmospheric water. We're taught that water comes from rain and snowmelt, when in fact rain and snowmelt is the evaporation of primary water. So again, primary water explained, a YouTube we have up, is valuable. I would send that out far and wide. I would look at this uh, and understand uh, our water uh, does not come from rain and snowmelt. It is primary water. In fact, in areas where uh, people are accessing primary water, they have a much higher IQ. We've been substantially dumbed down with the levels of poisons in the water supply with, of course, all the bomb testing in the atmosphere and environment, uh, all of the chemtrailing and the poisons that uh, the rain falls through for that, as well as all of the uh, chemicals that they use to cause the rain. And then, of course, it flows over um, chemtrailed ground with all the poisons that have been sprayed for so many decades. I forgot to include the fact in the fires, of course, uh, aluminum um Oxide is an accelerant, and so when you pump that kind of accelerant over um, rural lands with um, heavy tree growth, we have millions and millions of dead and dying trees. And no humidity. And no humidity. It, we just erupt. We've been created to be a tinderbox. It's been by design. And that's why I highly recommend everybody watch Plan to Burn Up Northern California, because back then... 
we talked about several plans, and one plan has one plan, of course, has already occurred, and that would be the discussion around Pacific Gas and Electric and the use of of weather weapons and directed energy weapons here uh, in uh, Santa Rosa and in the counties that were burning those horrible, horrific nights of October 8th and 9th that ensued for about two weeks of 2017. It was absolutely a horrifying, a horrifying situation. And we were very heavily chemtrailed during that whole process to make certain that we were marinating in all of the toxins and all the smoke from the burning uh, debris. There's been an increased level of um, illnesses as a result of that. In fact, there's a UC Davis study to study pregnant women that had their children to see the impacts of the poisons. Well, you don't need to um, really study for impacts of poisons. You can imagine that people are very sick. I, I fully believe that uh, they're just seeing how successful the poisoning was. Quick interjection, Deborah. I have a question regarding those fires and the amount of people that may not be returning. Are most people going to rebuild our insurance companies paying? And if so, imagine what that's going to do to future premiums. Well, let's talk about that. Um, but I just want to close on water. Please, everyone, go to Primary Water Explained. Understand the intention to privatize the water globally, to create the illusion that we're running out, and to uh, literally uh, move you off your lands and redesign our food supply. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But in answer to your question, about 60% of the people that were burned out over those days don't have adequate uh, insurance to rebuild. And when FEMA came in uh, and was hired to clean off the lots, they over-excavated. And to replace all of the uh, over-excavation fell out of the scope of the insurance as well. So many of the homes that were on hillsides that would easily have um, uh, $100,000 literally have to replace um, all of the footings that would be required by an engineer. They're also having to import dirt and get that engineered and recompacted where they've over-excavated. We had um, an increasing concern with the mosquito problem because there were many divots throughout the county of over-excavation. And when we went to our um, a vector control office, they were very, very concerned about uh, the Zika virus. They still are also now as well. We know that mosquitoes are going to sadly be the bioweaponized host of many um, illnesses that are going to be spread. Is well. the over-excavation causing puddles that breed these mosquitoes? And is the over-excavation also to remove the signature or perhaps the weapon that was used in order to create those fires? Well, there has certainly been uh, that discussion, but certainly, yes, the over-excavation has created ponds uh, in many of the areas where there's clay. The water's not um, filtrating back into the ground, so it's sitting there in ponds. And yes, they've been having to pump it out, but we've been in a drought now, and so we haven't had rain. And uh, so many of those areas now... um, are being dealt with. But uh, again, 60% of the people don't have insurance. We have a dramatic increase in a homeless population because what happened is so many apartments and homes that were rentals were burned. And many 
owners' homes were burned and they vacated their rentals to move in because they needed a place to live nearby. So rents skyrocketed. We have um, a beautiful destination, a global destination here, the wine country, just 60 miles north of San Francisco, where we have beautiful properties along the coast. Many of those properties are under Airbnb contracts. That's all Google, by the way, Airbnb. And the intention behind Airbnb, of course, is property owners can make as much money renting on a three-day or four-day weekend um, and more than renting on a, on a month-to-month tenancy to someone locally. So they seize that opportunity, plus it frees up their property so that they can uh, live in it too from time to time or go out and enjoy the coast or wherever the Airbnb is. So we didn't have any rental property at all. We have hundreds and hundreds of RVs from dilapidated RVs to beautiful large um, RVs that are literally uh, traveling around the county as people are trying to figure out where to stay. Many, Some of the RVs are actually parked on their burned out lots because they're still having to pay their mortgages and uh, the property taxes are being reassessed because there's no building, but they're still having to pay mortgages and insurance. And you asked about insurance. Um, that is a real problem. That is actually an enormous problem because um, many of the homes are are certainly not going to be able to get insurance. I'm going to read a thread within the community uh, in Fountain Grove. That was the very wealthy uh, home community that burned down just and it burned down the um, the um, the Hyatt. I think that was the name of the hotel. Uh, before it jumped the freeway that night of the 9th, 8th and the 9th. Um, and they're saying, has anyone experienced difficulty in renewing their home insurance since the fires? And they talk about how they're in a heavy tree area. And in order to remove, now this is outside of the burn zones. The insurance companies are telling them they have to remove all the trees on their property. And yet the cities won't issue permits for total tree removal. So they're having difficulty getting insurance. Uh, they're e- explaining how they've had to trim trees away from the house to be able to get uh, their insurance renewed. Uh, someone said, uh, we're going through the same thing. 35 years with no claims, three cars, three houses, motorcycle, boat, umbrella, and umbrella policies, and never a claim. We live outside of the fire zone with many trees and are now being required to cut them down but the city won't, will not give us a permit, and the insurance company does not care. So they're not able to get insurance. And then another person is saying, we recently purchased a home in the burn area. They went to 11 different insurance companies before they found one that would insure them. And the premiums are extremely high, and there's um, many exclusions in the, in the uh, premiums. So that's a little bit about insurance, very difficult, very, very costly to get. And um, people are finding uh, that um, even if they're near a fire station or a fire plug or a hydrant, as we would call it, uh, still insurance is difficult to get. So uh, we're in in an entirely new financial environment where we're being asset, asset stripped by 
the bankers again, who are in control of all the insurance companies as well. So um, we're we're not certain how many rebuilds there will ultimately be in our area, but we need to watch in all the areas of the country that are being hit by weather weapons and the ability to rebuild. We're certainly looking at the consequences of Hurricane Florence and the fact that many of the sewer treatment plants were swamped and compromised and breached. We still have to wait and see to the extent of that. But the toxins that that creates in the groundwater supply and flowing down the streets and inundating perhaps cities that are nearby because the water treatment locations are near cities. Um, And we just don't know the degree of poisons. But what we do know is here after the fires, the insurance companies, if you were, uh, say, a block away from where the fires wiped out neighborhoods, and your house was fully um, uh, poisoned with all the smoke and um, black with ash and soot. The insurance companies would allow you to clean your carpets and just clean. Well, there were um, fire victims from other states that came here and addressed us uh, after the fires, telling us what they did because they found out through testing, laboratory testing, and particularly here in California where we build with wood predominantly because of earthquakes. Seismic um, adaptability with wood is the way we build. And uh, with drywall, much of that drywall, of course, and exterior siding can be very porous. There's um, roof vents and so forth where all the soot and ash can get into. gets in between the walls and fills up uh, much of the insulation as was explained by many of these people that came in and were were talking about what they went through in their areas. And uh, essentially what people should do when they're immediately adjacent to the burn zones is literally uh, remove um, the uh, drywall from the inside of their homes, including all of the insulation, uh, not only all the, the floor materials, but all the subfloor materials and replace everything, but the insurance companies will not pay for that. So uh, they're essentially moving people back into highly toxic homes. And that, of course, from my estimation of the genocide policies, would fall into line with what they're doing. Um, people are being poisoned by by moving back into very toxic homes. Our homes are toxic anyway. We're being delivered toxic water, etc., But having said that, I wanted to go over um, what what we found out about the um, wastewater treatment plants and some of the documents that we've pulled together to talk about this. And it is diabolical. I'm going to ask you all to just um, understand this is real and this is happening. And you can find this information under the Hot Topics on StopTheCrime.net. I think we have this posted up now. And um, this came to light when our research team was uh, searching EPA documents um, prior to our touring a wastewater treatment plant. And we came across some diabolical information in some of these EPA documents. Um, Specifically, this EPA document entitled Primer for municipal wastewater treatment systems. 
dated September of 2004. So I'm going to uh, read uh, what we what we've concluded with a number of various documents and um, and let you know what we've discovered. First, um, that report that I referenced, the primer for municipal wastewater treatment systems, the EPA document, um, exposes the deliberate underfunding of required maintenance of the U.S. sewer treatment systems throughout the entire country. Uh, we read in this document that many of our collection systems date from the end of World War II and the population boom of the post-war era. They told us, too, in that document that the oldest portions of the collection system pipe network exceed 100 years of service. Significant parts of this infrastructure are severely stressed from overuse and the persistent underfunding of repair rehabilitation, and replacement. In an increasing number of communities, existing systems are deteriorating, yet the demand for new infrastructure to accommodate growth presses unabated. This is a quote right out of the EPA Wastewater Treatment Systems Primer. They go on to tell us, um, and this is part of what we're concluding, and uh, this is also true uh, out of all the other documents that we have on StopTheCrime.net. Of major concern is the climate action plans and the resilient plans and also C40 city plans. We're going to talk about, Mel, because people are unaware of the C40 city plans. And we're going to talk about who's involved. And uh, the Clinton Foundation is involved in that, MasterCard, Citibank. But we'll go into that in a moment or two. So included in the C40 city plans, the presidential executive orders, all branches of the military, the U.S. Bar Association, and all agencies and departments and offices and officials, including every level of local, state, and national jurisdictions, have repeatedly told us in their documents what you're going to hear us talk about now. Their documents tell us that due to the new normal of climate change, we will experience climate change effects to include increases in extreme heat events, increased droughts, floods, wildfires, storms, changes in weather patterns, increased air pollution, higher food prices, food scarcity, sea level rise, storm surge, longer red tides, toxic algae blooms in the oceans, and much more. They've also told us in the plans that storm surge will cause impacts on wastewater systems. And uh, this is what uh, we read in the wastewater EPA uh, plan, uh, that the bacteria normally present in water must have oxygen to do their part in breaking down the sewage, our, um, our waste. Uh, we know in the climate action plans, they describe the effects of extreme heat events. I was reading to you the assaults of weather weaponization that you can read in your climate action plan, and they repeatedly talk about effects of extreme heat events with examples, again, of human health risks, such as um, heat-related illnesses and death, etc. We also know in the CIA 1960 Memorandum for Climate Control, that's posted on Stop the Crime. Again, that document is entitled CIA 1960 Memorandum for Climate Control. 
exposes one of many goals, and one of the goals is to reduce the Earth's oxygen supply, causing Earth's suffocation. So what we've discovered in the EPA document is this, that um, through the climate action plans and telling us we're going to experience extreme heat events, we're told in the EPA document that heat reduces the capacity of water to retain oxygen. Let me repeat that. Heat reduces the capacity of water to retain oxygen. Now I'm going to read this, an excerpt directly from that EPA primer for municipal wastewater treatment systems, and it's under thermal. It says this. Heat reduces the capacity of water to retain oxygen. In some areas, water used for cooling is discharged to streams at elevated temperatures from power plants and industries. Even discharges from wastewater treatment plants and storm water retention ponds affected by summer heat. Let me repeat that. They're talking about the discharges from not only treatment plants, but from storm water retention ponds that are affected by summer heat can be released at temperatures above that of the receiving water and elevate the stream temperature. Unchecked discharges of waste heat can seriously alter the ecology of a lake, stream, or estuary. And they go on to tell us that in nature, bacteria and other small organisms in water consume organic matter in sewage, turning it into new bacterial cells, carbon dioxide and other byproducts. The bacteria normally present in water must have oxygen to do their part in breaking down the sewage. They go on into uh, observations in the 1920s, etc. But the take-home here is that the elevated heat reduces the oxygen in water. So when they can create extreme heat events, deliberately heating up the water, we're looking at decreased oxygen. And of course, they're telling us that we all must reduce our CO2, our greenhouse gas emissions, to zero or near zero. There is no life on Earth. People are not understanding that we need CO2. The plants need CO2 in order to live and produce oxygen for us. That's what I was taught in school all my life. Well, sadly, Mel, people are hysterical um, about what is being said. The propaganda, the mind control, that's really by and large a part of what we face. I mean, as a country, as as a as a people, we've been um, inundated with poisonous foods. I mean, look at the fact now that I, I still think uh, that the latest statistics, you can verify that for yourselves, but I know for many years Mexico was uh, shown to have the highest levels of obesity, and I think now that the United States has surpassed Mexico. Uh, we're being poisoned by massive amounts of sugar and flour in our food supply, massively, massively destructive to our health. Uh, We're living on fast foods, massively destructive to our health. 
there are little things that we can do and must do if you're planning on not being in that 83% murder rate by 2025. Cleaning up your food intake is certainly one of them. Many, many other um, uh, solutions can be implemented as well, but knowledge is the key. You, you won't know how to react or to respond if you don't understand. And people you know, will say, well, what do we do? And I can only say this, and I think you'd likely agree, Mel, that everyone's solution will be based upon what they see as the problem. And if people only see a base problem that we just need to vote in new leaders, then they're not going to to be part of the genocide uh, reduction that we face because they don't see the problem as deep as it is. In fact, I would recommend everybody watch a YouTube entitled Babylon USA, Babylon USA. And the other one, which is also very, very interesting, it's called The Swamp. And uh, there are four segments uh, to The Swamp. And you'll actually see elected officials sitting in their um, offices in Washington, D.C., talking about their frustration and their ability, inability to get anything done. And they reveal that the staffers control it all. And that gets us into... Staffers slash lobbyists. Yes, a.k.a. bringing in all the policies and plans. Now, we were talking earlier about Puerto Rico, and I want to address that. Because what I really want to say, and this is again on a global basis... So as you hear me talking about a specific plan out of Puerto Rico, um, here's what I typed in. And by the way, when, uh, when Deborah says she was earlier talking about Puerto Rico, we were talking a lot of it uh, offline about the resilient cities. This is very interesting. Yes. Um, thank you for um, stating that because um, I was looking, I had looked at Puerto Rico some time back. I viewed a lot of climate action plans and resilient plans throughout the world and including in Russia as well. And in fact, I would really highly recommend, um, because I can't say everything during um, our interview today that I would like to say. Uh, There's just too much to say, but I'm going to cover C40 cities here in a moment or two. But I'm going to um, request that everybody take a look at um, the YouTube we have up entitled Coastlines Under Attack, Storm Surges Artificially Created. Again, go to stopthecrime.net, go to our video channel, or just type in your search engine under YouTube's Coastlines Under Attack, Storm Surges Artificially Created. I want to tell you that YouTube took that down uh, for a couple of weeks, we were able to finally get it reposted uh, just a few days back, and I would recommend everybody listen very, very carefully. We explain how the oceans and the storm surges and sea level rise has been exacerbated on top of by um, by weapons, and uh, you will understand the assault on our coastlines throughout the world, not just only in the United States, but throughout the world. And it is, it is diabolical. But I want to jump into Puerto Rico a bit because I simply found a document 
uh, entitled, uh, and I'm looking at the report, it's called Reimagine Puerto Rico, Resilient Puerto Rico Advisory Commission. And this is their energy sector report, Reimagine Puerto Rico. So I took a few um, excerpts out of that document, but I'm going to read to you just a little bit of my insider comment before I I go over some of the excerpts. Um, Because um, I say that what you will read are directly from the criminals that have taken over Puerto Rico. These are the plans of destruction. You will read that advisory meetings were held and facilitated by Rothschild and company. These are carefully scripted meetings recommended in World Bank documents on the methods necessary to trick the populations in the countries being taken over. We've all been Delphied. These are global plans, and they're now being rapidly rolled out after countries are destabilized by weather and economic disasters. And then I refer everyone to StopTheCrime.net and to read, read, and learn, learn, and to subscribe and watch our videos on our YouTube channel. Now, here are some direct excerpts from the Puerto Rico Resilient Report. The contributors, 100 resilient cities. Now, I'm going to say, watch another YouTube we have up. YouTube YouTube took off the count and all the comments. It was trending at several hundred thousand views and thousands of comments, and it's called Kill Cities, Rothschild and Rockefeller. YouTube, Kill Cities, Rothschild and Rockefeller. So that you'll understand who's behind the resilient cities. It is Rockefeller. It is the entire cabal. And the other contributors to the Puerto Rico dissolving of the country and the people is the Rockefeller Foundation and the Ford Foundation. Also, Open Society Foundation's Center for a New Economy. George Soros. Yes. And uh, it goes on, the Rockefeller Foundation City Resilient Framework provide a more comprehensive vision of how resilience can be integrated into Puerto Rico's post-disaster recovery process. These are excerpts now out of the document. The commission receives no public funding. It is financially supported entirely by the Ford Foundation, Open Society Foundations, and the Rockefeller Foundation. The World Bank uh, GDP at market prices, United States and Puerto Rico. The Rockefeller Foundation's 100 Resilient Cities as part of a broad effort to support the resilient recovery of Puerto Rico. They go on. Now, I really would like everybody to listen very carefully to this. It took me quite some time of going to many, many meetings to understand this. So I hope I can save you the long road of learning that I uh, had to go through by talking about what advisory meetings are. When you hear the word an advisory commission or a um, citizen-based advisory group, understand these are organized through the Tavistock uh, Institute, through the RAND Corporation, Brookings Institute, and it is a way in which to manage, manipulate, 
and move policies through the cities, all the while um, creating the illusion that the public has input. They don't. And there are specific ways in which they set these meetings up. You'll see easels, and you'll be invited to participate by writing your recommendations on little notes and, and putting them on various boards that are presented around the room. Well, when you're used to looking at that kind of presentation and you realize that it's um, sequestering a takeover in your city, then when you look through these various documents and in that document in Puerto Rico, Reimagine Puerto Rico, looking at page 72, and they have a photograph of people participating in this exact type of a facilitated meeting that we all have in all of our cities. This is the standard mode of operandi, the takeover in the cities. It is the standard way in which they're creating the illusion of, uh, of allowing the local people to participate in the plans when, in fact, the plans are all predetermined. So understand, this is the base play of... Uh, bringing forth these plans everywhere. And on page 71 of that document, uh, it discusses how they, um, they work with the kids as well to participate so that the kids can talk to their parents. This is a top-down propaganda methodology. But they go on uh, about how, of course, Puerto Rico was uh, bankrupted, and they talk about even in the midst of all the turmoil um, Puerto Ricans are clear on one thing. The push forward is not to return the island to its prior state. Normality is not its goal. The story of a new Puerto Rico is yet to be envisioned and imagined. The island must use this catastrophic opportunity to leverage the investments that will be made to change the growth of Puerto Rico in the future. So when we're being hit by weather weapons, understand they're setting up megacities all over the world, but there really aren't that many megacities. You've heard many people refer to the Wildlands Project map uh, that Dr. Mile, Dr. Michael Kaufman put forth. Well, there are now new maps, and uh, the new maps are presented under the C40 cities documents. Again, we have a section on stopthecrime.net about C40 cities. It is a step beyond the climate action plans and the resilient plans. Let me explain. Uh, as a builder, because I am uh, in a third generation uh, home building, self-employed with my family, and uh, very familiar with plans. And so think of the climate action plan as a submittal of plans to the city that the cities everywhere approve. And they have not yet been fully orchestrated. It's just the approved plan. Then you get uh, the resilient plan, which is, in my terminology, the engineering that's requested to um, further bring forth the plan. The final aspect of building out a plan is getting the money. Many people, when you build a home, you get your plans, you get your engineering, then you get your approvals, which have all been made. All of your cities have approved these plans. And then you need the money to fund the building of these plans. And that's what we're going to talk about now. 
and uh, this is in the C40 uh, cities. Now hold it right there, Deborah, because we have to have to break into two segments. We're getting to the top of the hour, and this is so much more that you know. I'm just puzzled here as to how much information you have collected all these years. And before the break, I just want to mention a couple of things. Number one, I want to dedicate this interview to our good friend who passed away a few years ago, Dr. Rowney Lena Lucan and Kilde. Anybody who doesn't know her, just Google on our website, the last name Kilde, K-I-L-D-E, for a fantastic interview we did many years ago. We remained friends until until she was killed. There's no other way to put it. She was killed. And you know that, Deborah. Also, I yeah. want to mention something here before we let people go. I received a note from somebody a few days ago that I want to bring it up while I have you on the line. Gwen Towers. I want to know if you know about this. This person wrote, these are cell, looks like they look like cell towers. If these are really cell phone towers, how come it doesn't increase my signal when I'm ready and really close to them? The truth is, that they are a Gwen ground wave energy network operation that emit ELF waves and low frequencies that can give sudden mood swings, cause cancer, and more. People who have lived very close to these have reported dangerous physical effects, such as bad skin burns. Our first defense from these frequencies is our awareness. And one last thing. I receive emails sometimes, especially one of our subscribers the other day, who said, I'm going to cancel my subscription because some of your interviews are so powerful that they make me feel bad at the end of the interview. Well, folks, I have to tell you, the truth hurts, but it'll set you free. If your house is burning down, and I know you're inside, as a good neighbor, I'm going to go knock on the door. And if you're upset that I'm trying to wake you up, well... I don't know what else to tell you, but when I bring people like Deborah Tavares and many others to this radio program, it's because I care about you. I care about every living being, and I want us to be able to conquer all these forces that are behind the scenes trying to, I have no other word to put it, but to kill us. And when we come back, Deborah Tavares will tell us much more. StopTheCrime.net and Pure, what is the other website, Deborah? It's, it's primarywater. Primarywater.org. Excellent. Any other things you want to say before we, we conclude well, this segment, Deborah? Well, uh, we're going to go on to the next segment. I'm going to discuss um, C40 cities and who's behind it, and we're going to get into more. I also want to bring up Noah, the... I forgot the acronym, but it's the Weather Service in the United States. Something tells me that these people are behind the scenes using black projects. And all these hurricanes that we see, it may be CGI what we're seeing. A few years ago, and I'll talk about this when we come back, there was the largest and most powerful hurricane in history going through Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And I had friends from there who called me when the eye was coming in and they said, and then it's not because the eye was in the middle, as you know, there's always a pause. But they never felt wind. They hardly had any rain. Yet, when you saw on TV, you saw this massive hurricane devouring the area. What is going on? And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Deborah. I'm here with Deborah Tavares. Much more when we return. You don't want to miss part two of this program. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. 
don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you. You say you know love, but you are just reflecting words you hear. No iron in your veins could give you any sense of pain or fear. It's just another lie, it's just another calculation. And when the power's out, we're just another old sensation. This blood keeps me alive, but what is it that runs through you? Electricity and wires dictating everything you do. You tell me that you hear me, and all your memories are real. But how do I know you don't just feel what you've been told to feel? Thank you.